0: Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking, and I'm speaking with Stephen Hallam, Brand Ambassador for Dickinson & Morris and Chair of Judges for the Tip Tree World Bread Awards, which will take place at IBIE 2022, September 18th through 21st in Las Vegas. This season, we are exploring the principles of artisan bread baking that can and should be incorporated into commercial bread production. Our final episode is all about people, training, and culture in the world of artisan bread production at scale. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me in this final week. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversations, and I'm very excited about this one.
1: Well, people, where are we without people? We start as babies and we hopefully leave the world as adults, but in between time, there's uh, an awful lot of knowledge and, and wisdom. Wisdom seems to come with age, I think, that we gain in the world of baking, which is a science. The knowledge is fascinating. What goes on when you're actually mixing a dough, when you're baking, um, the action of steam on the dough in the oven, that's just bread. And, and, and the same applies in cake making, how you make a cake, the different processes, sugar batter, cake batter, et cetera, all in method. Um, lamination, what makes flaky pastry, puff pastry puff up, and, and uh, why doesn't it puff up when you've gone through the process and make it and all of that. Likewise with bread, we can make a dough sometimes and uh, ouch, it's not as it should be. All of the uh, science behind bread making is not difficult to learn and it's not difficult to find. I think the two most important years of my life, I'm a retired baker now, but the two years that set me up for life were spent at a baking college in London. It was called the National Bakery School. And after I'd left uh, uh, left the statutory schooling, if you like, and I'd, I'd started to work for my father in the bakery, I was told I was helping out. And three years later, I was still there. And I was sat down by my father and he said, I think if baking's to be your vocation, as it looks as if it's going to be, then you need to do the job properly, which is something I never did. And you need to go to college." And uh, off I went, so a national diploma, a full tech certificate in baking. And what I learned in two years, I would never have learnt in, in 30, 35, 40 years just out in the big wide world or commerce. Absolutely fascinating. And not not just about the science of baking, but the, the law of contract and talk, because when you're buying and selling items, when you're selling products to somebody, you know, there's legal uh, statutory legislation associated with that about microbiology and hygiene and food safety bakery uh, organizations so you're not walking half a mile from one thing to another it all flows but the actual science of what makes a loaf of bread and how it all works yeast does learning all about the ingredients yes when when you understand where chocolate comes from and uh, the trials and tribulations from in the raw pod to the finished products and uh, its affinity it has for water you treat it with much more respect as you do a lot of your ingredients the making of all the different fats sugar uh, that's fascinating how sugar is made in different grades of sugar flour and where flour comes from the the challenges the miller has every year because it's a it's such a natural product i found all this knowledge to be fascinating and it's helped me all my life, wherever I've been and whatever I've been making within the industry. Now, not everybody, of course, in the industry is as fortunate as I perhaps was to go to college for two years. Great fun. Yeah, I was in London for years as a single person. That was fun as well. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, because of this, uh, whenever I see ingredients or I see a loaf, I'll always look at it in a very different way because I know what's gone on. Both technically and personally, the people behind making that loaf of bread to get it in front of me. Now, I also think I'm very fortunate that I've loved the career that I've had. My passport says I'm a baker, not a managing director or a director or passenger or, or, or what have you. It says I'm a baker. And that does seem to be certainly in Europe or in Britain let's say, much more respect towards people who have a craft skill, and in this case baking, than there once was. The consumer realises that there's a lot more passion and love and technical skill gone into making a loaf of bread than they might have previously, say, some 20 years ago. And we've seen that with the rise of artisan bakeries and, and craft-based people going out of their way, paying quite significant amount of money for a, a loaf of bread five, six, seven pounds for a loaf of bread because of the time it's taken to do it. Now, in any bakery, I would challenge or I would ask the question, just how much do the people working in that bakery, wherever they might be, at whatever stage of the process, just what training they have received. It has to be said that if if somebody knows more about the background of what they're doing, if they've got the information if if they understand what happens in a dough, where flour comes from, if they understand why we only put this amount of water in if if they know what happens if there's too much or too little water, if they've had some quality time, so that means not stood at the table, scaling dough and mixing dough every time every day as important as that might be for their role but if if they've had some time away from uh, the cold face, uh, metaphorically speaking, to to learn more about the broader aspect of the science. Then not only will they be a better person for it, but so will the business, so will the product. They they will always go an extra mile and a half because they care about it, and th- and that can be passed on to other people. That, that sort of charisma will be with that person, and they they may become a a team leader, they or a doe hand or dough charge or whatever the position may be i find it very sad that all too often there's some people in positions where they press a button and walk away and they know no different and then they're the people that get the blame if something goes wrong because they didn't know that they couldn't tell by looking at the dough or they didn't know that it it needed another three or four minutes mixing or that it needed just that little bit extra water because you're dealing with new harvest flour and uh, it needs more development or the water absorption is higher, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I would imagine there'll be many people that would say to me, well, that's all very well but these things cost money, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Training should be an inherent part of somebody's role. You shouldn't be asking anybody to do anything unless they're appropriately trained. And it does not cost, monetary-wise, an awful lot more to engage people more in, w- in what they're doing giving them a bigger piece of the slice in terms of knowledge. So much can be done online now. Once upon a time, we used to have colleges all the way through the UK, and you you could send uh, your people, staff, employees to colleges on day release, and they've basically fizzled out. They're no longer around, probably because time has become so precious, and it can take quite a long time to come up with your qualifications, etc., Unless you're going to do it full time, and that's a totally different scenario, really, where you're going back into college for two or three years. That happens in Germany, of course. You know, if you, you can't set up a business unless you've done your Meister's degree or Meister's certificate, and that could take exactly that, two years. So as a baker, you, would, you, you set up, and immediately all your customers know that you have got the knowledge, you have got the training, because you've gone through that period that will have cost you significantly as well. So you've made a commitment, um, but there's an immediate trust there that you're not just going to be throwing some flour and water and yeast together and making something that you're going to call bread and sell it. I think the quality of products would also improve when people have more passion for what they're doing. In, in In a bakery, in any business, really, not just a bakery, but in in a bakery, because we're we're talking bakeries, quality is not just about the products and the ingredients from which those products are made. Quality is about the people that make those products. It's about the pride in what they do. It's the training they receive, the uniforms they wear, the, the respect they're given, the equipment they use sharpness of the knives, condition, cleanliness of the bakeries, especially the vans and vehicles. There's so much more besides. And all these values should be central to the DNA and culture of a business because quality is all about really a way of life. And nobody, in honesty, really wants to get up in the morning and go and work somewhere. They're wearing dirty uniforms where uh, they're being shouted at, there's more flour on the floor than there is on the table or or, or the flour store. I'm talking metaphorically here and not wishing to offend anybody in what I say, but nobody's going... You can have a long face. You're going to get up in the morning and think, oh, I've got to go to work. And there are a lot of people that don't want to go to work. I appreciate that. But if you enjoy your work and you'll get enjoyment by being included by not just being a number, but being a part of the broader team, being asked for your opinion and your advice, somebody asking you for something and saying, please, rather than telling you something, or telling you to do this, please and thank you. Gosh, don't they go a long way. To me, this is all sort of lifestyle. And when it comes down to uh, working in a bakery, the actual technical knowledge is the same today as it was 20 years ago, as it will be in 20 years' time. The the actual art of fermentation and what happens with yeast and fermenting, how flour is made from uh, wheat or whatever other grain, for that matter, the protein that's in there that forms the structure of uh, the building block of a loaf of bread, the starch and what that does and what the millers do. Certainly for myself, there was a k'chung moment when all this came together and it was as if my eyes opened and a drudge of going to work turned to be a welcome and an excitement of what was going to happen the next day now that there will be a, <laughs> there will be i dare say a lot of employers or a lot of bakers shaking their head and say ah oh, it's all very well for him this that and the other well i'm really talking about a culture here and cultures don't change overnight fashions do they come and go but in terms of cultures you have to be consistent part of that consistency is treating your people well with respect so that they have pride in what they do and there's all these little bits that i've been talking about they're not big You're saying good morning to somebody in the morning or not saying good morning to somebody as the boss when you walk by can have a huge effect on that person. And, Or the contrary to that is you may not realise how important it is to that person that you've said good morning to them, uh, as as opposed to, in their eyes, just walk by and ignore them. They then become an incredible ambassador. Now, this isn't sort of a a swoon uh, effect that happens with everybody, uh, but it happens with more people than it doesn't and and the combined effect it's like the combined effect of the parts is bigger than the individual parts in their own entity to actually set aside time or create a process whereby all your people and employees can learn more and it doesn't have to be in work time it could be out of work time you could put a room aside for people to just go and look at whatever the the particular topic is you want to learn about. There is so much online, if it's not available, from various baking societies, etc., as training packages. There's two sides to this, isn't there? There's training of the baking knowledge, which is important for the actual job in hand. There's also um, the, the cultural side, where people say... That's a great company to work for. And when you try and put your finger on that, somebody will say, well, I don't know, but it's just there. And when they do say that, you know, you've got it right.
0: You know, I would agree with you that it does instill passion for the job that they're doing, no matter how big or small, um, that they feel invested in the product that they're making or helping to make. So I'm curious as the chair of judges for the Tip Tree World Bread Awards, when you're judging a loaf of bread, does the care of the people come through when you're judging a finished product? Can you tell the difference?
1: Yes, I think it does. And I'll, I'll give you a classic example of something that is wrong, that there is absolutely no excuse for, as if you're presented with a loaf that's dirty. So a loaf of bread will come out of the oven and inevitably, it's picked up by somebody wearing some oven, oven gloves or oven mitts. Uh, and when you pick up a tin, a tin will be dirty. It's coming out of the oven. It's, it's not dirty as in soil dirt. It's dirty in that there's oil and there's fat. And then they've been in an oven for 30, 40 minutes uh, about 450 degrees Fahrenheit and et cetera. So it's hot. And so you're going to have a dirty side on the mitts where you pick the tin up and then you knock the loaf of bread out into an area that you keep clean and then you reverse that you put the tin on one side you reverse your gloves so you've got the clean side that you pick the loaf up with and you put it maybe in a wire tray to cool this that and the other and and to actually see dirty bread on a shelf because it's been picked up with the mitts that have also been handling the tins it's blasphemous you know it just shouldn't be there it doesn't look nice you wouldn't want To eat it, um, and if it's on a competition table and it's in front of you, the message is: well, that's okay in that business for that to happen, because if if you're entering a product into a competition, you are basically saying that's the best I can do. When you enter for the first time, you have what you've made, and let's say it's the best you can do, and this, that, and the other, and, and it goes, and it will be assessed. Uh, by the judges against the various criteria uh, that we've spoken about previously. And comments are made on that loaf as to how it could be best improved or what most impressed the judges about it. The questions leading to positive, constructive remarks that go back to the entrant. And then you'll enter again and you'll take that into consideration next year and so on. And what gives me huge satisfaction is to see people who've regularly entered over the years and how their entries have improved year on year because they've taken note of what's been said such uh, remarks sweep through the whole of the business this loaf is representing that business it's the loaf that wins of course but that all the hype around that goes back into the business it goes to the people involved in making the loaf And you do see this improvement year on year. And and coming back to your question, yes, if something is just half-baked or or just slapped together and it's it's put in the competition, a remark will be made on the assessment form of how it could be improved. And, And a salient remark as well. You know, this isn't about putting people down, it's about helping people. And if it's, you know, helping to improve the quality of loaves across the baking industry, that's got to be a good thing, I think, hasn't it? Um, so we're we're always looking for improvement. And at, at first somebody might, an entrant, might, might think, oh, that's all right, they put it in, and then they'll, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll get some feedback, and then they work on it and work on it. When you reach a stage where you, you're entering quite regularly because you realise what this is doing, for your people, that the whole process of entering and getting awards brings the rewards to customers, to people, to business, and, and all, all of that. You get to a point where you think, well, that's not good enough. I'm not going to put that in. Cause just occasionally something might not go right. And if it's not right, you shouldn't be putting it into the competition. Yes, you may have paid the, the wee entry fee to, to, uh, to enter, but by putting it in the competition, you are saying this is representative of what I or what we do. That's the best we can do. You, you don't enter a competition to come second or third, do you? You enter to win. You may come second or third, uh, or the loaf may come second or third, and the, the loaf may get a bronze instead of a silver or a gold, but you don't enter to get a bronze, you enter to get a gold. You aim high if you're forever aiming low, you're not going to get anywhere, are you? There's going to be no improvement. Yeah, you you do see that in the lows. And sometimes there are lows that stand out. They're there on the judging table. And from across the room, you can look across and you go, wow. To get the perfect loaf where all the elements that we've been talking about in our podcasts, they've all come together. It's been perfectly mixed. It's the fermentation is exactly right. The flavor is uh, spot on. It's neither too much, or, but there's flavor there. But you do, and, and you, you pick this up. Generally, just like you or me, if you feel good on the inside, you look good on the outside. <laughs>
0: That's a good point.
1: <laughs> um, with a loaf of bread, if it is looking good, then you're 95% sure it's going to be good on the inside. Not always, but generally, if you've got 20 loaves and you line them all up from those that have got serious wow factor to those that, oh dear, what's that one doing here? And you put them in a row, again, not always, but more often than not, the the ones nearest the top from appearance are the ones that will be in the money and in the points. There's so much going on to get it to look good, and, and so much has happened for, that to, uh, for the appearance to be good. All the ingredients the the mixing, the processing, the baking, and the person that's done all of that as well. So uh, y- yes, you, you can tell. Sorry, that was a rather a long answer.
0: <laughs> I love your analogies though, I think they're spot on. Let's take a break from this episode of Troubleshooting Innovation to talk about Commercial Baking's partnership with the International Baking Industry Exposition. As IBIE's gold media partner, Commercial Baking has provided all new media products to help attendees and exhibitors get the most from this year's show. Check out our IBIE monthly newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE booth trailers by visiting commercialbaking.com. And don't forget to come see us at IBIE booth 3125 in the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. We'll see you at IBIE. So here's another question for you, Stephen. Here in the States, in, in the commercial baking industry, there's a term we use and it's called dough heads. The ones who can look at the dough can look at it or touch it and know exactly what's wrong. That type of person is becoming fewer and further between in our industry. And there's a real struggle to either find dough heads or teach people how to become dough heads. And you said something that was so important, and that's that the process itself hasn't changed. Fermentation is the same. The technology to automate that process has changed drastically. What automation can do is not only make the job easier for unskilled bakers, but it also kind of makes this industry attractive to a digital-minded workforce. So how can we get workers who are not bakers, who are operators, how can we teach them how to become dough heads? How can we get them back to the basics?
1: it starts with the business itself, doesn't it? Is there a desire to do it? Because um, if the business is moving away from the, the driven passion of what makes a loaf of bread, just to create a return, because it's becoming fully automated and Somebody called chief financial officer or an accountant has said, uh, well, we'll cut this out because uh, we can make an extra 2% margin by taking this shortcut. It needs some champions in there. It needs some people to say you're wrong. It needs a, a mindset where within the business, you introduce training programs. It really does. In the UK, we we had uh, we have city and guilds, um, which was a, an accreditation it goes back many 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 years, and there was a time you do your apprenticeship, and before you received your full uh, city and guilds accreditation, you became a journeyman. It was a little like uh, well, a little bit different uh, university nowadays. If it's a four year course, you'll do three years in and a year out and that year out is a placement year well the journeyman and it could have been one two three years as long as it was but you'd travel around you'd called a journeyman because you were traveling to different bakeries and picking up skill etc the commitment comes from the business itself and the people at the top who are in the position the board if you like but generally there's one or two influential people on the board who can put product quality and, and uh, product quality first or products first. Because you've to make good products, you've got to have good people. And those people have got to know what they're doing. Just pressing a button is not knowing what you're doing. And if you lose all this basic underpinning knowledge, because that's what it is you're not going to have business. It's just, you'll not have the custom. Slowly, little by little, you'll start changing the product. So let's say it's a fruit loaf, so we're not controversial. Whatever, it, it has uh, a mix, has 50 kilo of, uh, so that's 50,000 grams of fruit in it. And some bright spark will have done a calculation to say, well, actually, you know, price of fruit has gone up, so sultanas well we we can't get five crown australian now so we'll we'll move to uh wherever mediterranean or californian sultanas what have you but instead of putting uh grams we'll cut it down we'll put 49 kilo instead of 50 kilo into the mix we'll still call it fruit bread because you know legally we we can do that etc and then the next year it becomes 48 kilo and then it becomes 40 seven kilo uh, and before you know where you are you've got a very different product and unless you've got champions in place who are very protective and that means they've got the skill base they've got the cv they've got the credentials to uh, pull people up and say this is wrong you know what what are we about here but there needs to be a a mission statement of the business to uh, ensure that can be followed Somebody can't suddenly undermine it and say, no, nah, you, you're wrong. And because you're being difficult, you're sacked. We'll, um, because we don't like what you're hearing. And we're actually going down to 45 kilo of, of salt tons Absolutely dreadful. You know, what's, what's coming first, uh, the margin or the product. I fully appreciate escalation of prices. We, we've got energy costs going north. We've got all raw materials escalating in price. But should you forsake the quality of a product because of that? No, you shouldn't. There should be a mechanism process within the business that basically ensures this knowledge is not lost. It could be, I don't know, a weekly seminar of, of, of just an hour or half an hour that's built into a training package. You, you can have um, product heroes that can pass this knowledge along and show people. You can learn an awful lot by seeing what wrong is, as opposed to seeing what right is. You know, you, we we talk about proving just right. So this structure, you've got, you've got the oven spring, this that and the other. Well, if you deliberately make some products, and I'm talking on a test basis, not not, not in a huge plant, that have no salt in that uh, is far too stiff a dough, that is underproved, that is overproved, and you see the results, then, in fact, lo- lots of places do, don't they? On, on Take cookie uh, uh, businesses, et cetera, and what goods looks like and what bad looks like in terms of baking uh, on a colour chart. But seeing it on a chart is one thing. Actually having a, a symposium where people can see it for themselves or, or do it for themselves. That might be a big ask for some businesses, but the commitment lies on the industry itself to come up with a solution not to lose this underpinning knowledge. And, and they have to put some processes in place in their businesses that uh, allow this to happen. And and then, of course, you have to follow it up to make sure it does happen. Because there's no use saying, oh, we have a training scheme and this, that, and the other. Well, what reward does there need to be a reward? And reward needn't be monetary. Uh, when people have attained a level of uh skill you know, it doesn't mean there's an increase in in the wage rate or what have you It can be in all other ways, but this comes back doesn't it to um what I went on a little bit about to begin with in in terms of the culture of the business and the pride
0: okay i have I have one final question that I think can s- sort of sum up this episode and sum up this season of troubleshooting innovation. Do you think it's possible to teach manufacturing employees the craft of artisan bread making?
1: Yes. Yes, of course it is. You know, the, 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 gosh, I've said it a few times, haven't I? Oak trees come from acorns. You know, you, you wouldn't have large manufacturing if it didn't start somewhere small to begin with. It can be done. The challenge will be the people in that business allowing it to be done. Somebody will. So is a cost here, or I can't afford the time, or I need haven't got enough people, and and this, that, and the other. If you want it to happen, it will happen. And and, and uh, I think the industry needs it to happen, doesn't it?
0: It does. Yes, Stephen. I think that's the perfect note to end on.
1: Well, it's been. Um, an emotional uh, few weeks, and uh, thank you for teasing all this this out of me. I I am but just a humble baker, and, and very proud of it. And uh, if anybody should be coming to IBIE and they'd like to come and uh, have a chat or see what takes place in the process of, of judging loaves of bread, do come and visit us at the Tiptree World Bread Awards stand.
0: Absolutely, definitely. I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at IBIE at the Tip Tree World Bread Awards. And I just cannot thank you enough for helping me look at some of the commonalities between artisan bread production and commercial bread production. Because I think there is so much to learn and that can be applied to and from both sides. I'm just thrilled to see it all come together at IBIE. So thank you again, Stephen, and I will see you very, very soon.
1: I look forward to it, Journey, and just remember it's all about the loaf.
0: Thanks for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. We are excited to join the industry in person as an IBIE Gold Media Partner. Be sure to check out our IBIE Monthly Newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE Booth Trailers, all available at commercialbaking.com. Be on the lookout for exclusive digital content live from the show, and don't forget to visit us at booth 3125 in the West Hall. We'll see you in Las Vegas.